0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Coffee Time with Crystal. I am your podcast host, Crystal Riley. My purpose is to help people live in freedom from shame, guilt, and condemnation. We are starting off by doing radical stories of forgiveness. I am excited. My profession is I'm a realtor and I run a Christian business networking organization called the Tapestry Network. I'm a mother of two teenagers and a wife of almost 20 years. I have a couple pretty powerful stories of my own about radical forgiveness and how I forgave my sexual abuser from my childhood. I am so excited to get to be on this journey with all of you. I look forward to meeting you and interviewing and helping you break free from the lies, guilt, shame, and condemnation that holds us back from what we're called to do. Hi, Nicole. Welcome to Coffee Time with Crystal. And um, today we are interviewing you on forgiving yourself and also forgiving your parents for um, a big fight that happened. And so uh, I'd like to welcome you. You are with Glam 4 Events. And if you want to yep. share a little bit about yourself, that'd be great.
1: Yeah. So um, my name is Nicole Cathers. I've been in the beauty industry for 16 years. I am the only believer in my family, which is a really interesting fact about me. Um, and I've lived pretty much between Roseville and Antelope, California, my whole life. And Uh, the story is monumental just because of what it comes from. Number one, um, where I'm at now, I have been sober for over two and a half years. I come from a family where my dad struggled with alcohol. My mom was very codependent and had, um, narcissistic tendencies is what we like to say if they're not fully, uh, fully, you know, diagnosed. diagnosed. So, um, That's kind of the situation. My parents did fight a lot. They worked hard. They played hard. My dad dad was a very high functioning alcoholic, but at the time this was before he passed away. And so what ended up happening was um, the fight was sparked on about business related to their thing. Okay. So I didn't mention that when we were first recording, but uh, they were arguing about stuff. They always argued about work or things that went on throughout the day. Or what they did or didn't agree upon, and what who did what, and a lot of the time it was that situation. So you know, my mom started it, but my dad was not in a good place. He had just relapsed. His best friend was killed by his um, by his. I almost okay. said coworker, not his coworker. <laughs> his uh, roommate actually, um, my my dad's best friend's roommate actually killed him. In a, a, I would say like a fit of passion, a fight that they were having, and so my dad had fallen off the wagon, had been drinking a lot. I wasn't aware of this, coming to their house. um I have a history of cosmetic sales alongside hair and makeup and stuff, and so I was coming over to take my mom's order, make sure I had products for her, she was in need of some things, and so I just walked into this crazy situation where within minutes of me being there, they were fighting. He was acting really weird. And um, the weird thing is I had just come back really ignited about my career, just came back from a major, you know, training and retreat and it was still faith centered. And so I found myself praying to God during that weekend, um, which was only about a week and a half after i had went, I had come and said, you know, hung out with them and stuff. And all this fighting stuff happened. And so long story short, God told me, and it sounds so crazy. God told me he's going to be gone in three. And I didn't know if that was three days, three weeks or three months, but it was about my dad. And, um, I swear because I'm a very spiritual person, um, very faith-based like I swear that I swear that I swear that there was a negative entity on my father. And so what, what, my family didn't know is that my dad was dealing with heart failure. He was dealing with relapse. He was dealing with depression and grief. Um, we knew about the friend passing away, but we didn't know that his heart was literally breaking, literally breaking. And so we didn't know that, but I forgave my mom for starting the fight with my dad that, egged him on and made him really aggressive I forgave my dad for relapsing in that moment and I just jumped in my car when my mom asked me to leave and I just prayed and prayed and prayed and literally on a Monday morning I woke up to a phone call that you need to come to the hospital and my dad had passed away of a major cardiac arrest from heart failure and heart problems because of him relapsing from alcohol all this to share with you is I mentioned that I've been two, two and a half years sober. Um, obviously watching my dad go through what he went through wasn't enough for me to quit right away. I wasn't actively in my addiction at the time that uh, we were dealing with things um, that more or less got really bad during COVID when I was isolated and having to deal with a lot of things because you had to keep in mind that this kind of trauma, these things that I'm talking about that happened happened a lot. And um, my parents were very focused and distracted by their life, what they had going on and what they had to do. And so their biggest concern was just getting food on the table and bills paid and having their life of what they wanted, work hard, play harder. So for me, when I look at this whole story as a whole, um, I'm reminded that God is much bigger than us and he knows everything before we even know anything. And so I really didn't know what that meant. But when I saw my dad in the really rare rare form that I saw him in, like just spiritually in it, it felt like he was being taken over by demons. Like I didn't even want to hug him. Like when he, when I first walked into the door, it was that scary. Like he was glazed over, like this wasn't a typical alcohol rage or relapse or him drinking a lot. This was so much beyond that. So I knew like God was protecting me in that situation and protecting my mom and dad in that situation. Because I believe that if I stayed there, there would have been some physical altercations that would have happened. I believe that something much bigger would have happened. But what I know is that I forgave my mom for for inciting this fight, for making it so much worse and picking on him when she knew he wasn't in a good place mentally and emotionally and wasn't all there. And then I forgave my dad for relapsing because I knew he was in a very delicate place. But honestly, that was last time I saw my father. And so that's what I get to live with. That's what I got to live with is knowing the last time I saw my father, he was in one of the worst kind of ways and that I never called picked up the phone to call or check in on him. I only checked in on him through my mother because I was so it shook me. That event shook me, but I can say this is that I did forgive um almost immediately. Um I don't know how, but I just prayed and the prayer was much more in the concern of not my will but more of like God's will. And the weird thing is is in that moment like I I didn't know what God's will was until I got sober, even though I did have God in my life. Um, I really, truly didn't understand what God's will was. I thought if I, you know, practice what the church says to do, you know, the 10 commandments were good, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm honest, but I was living this double life. So it just, it's brought me through a lot of stuff. But when I look at, forgiving people and seeing them out of love, right where they're at and just seeing them as struggling people, not as my parents
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they're just toxic way of life. Um, their unhealthy way of dealing with things. It really opened my eyes to say, you know, like these are people too, and they just don't have a relationship with God. And this is what happens when you don't have a relationship with God, you do really hateful things to each other in your marriage. You do, you know, you, you hurting, might...
0: pe- hurting people, hurt people, right? So exactly. we are in a hurting place, then that's how we show up to the world. I know for me, I'm, I'm fairly healthy most of the time, but I've been a little on the defensive side lately and, and hurting. And so I've taken that out on, on my husband just so I recognize, you know, hurting people hurt people. And with all the things that I've been through too, it's interesting um, to, to shift that perspective, to actually see, look at people with love the way Jesus loves people. Right. And then recognize that they're hurting and filter them through the cross. So that's really neat that you were able to do that.
1: Yeah. I would say in that situation, thank God I was able to, but there's been situations that I'm obviously not proud of, you know, and I think we all grow, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I'm not always all that excited to to maybe share and I'm learning to share more about the the process of the life I've lived as a child and an adult and what that looks like now. Um, unfortunately, as, as what uttered out is, yes, my dad did end up passing away about seven years ago. Yes, my mom's still around. No, we're not, we don't currently have an active relationship per my choice. Um, because to be quite honest, it's just not healthy. It's not healthy. So, but what I do know is that you know, I've been praying I prayed about it before I decided, I pray about things before I decide to do things. And Mm -hmm. um, I think beyond that is um I just want to encourage people, anybody that might be listening, that if you do struggle with an addiction or some kind of ism or codependency or something related that is keeping you from a relationship with yourself, a healthy relationship with yourself, with God and with others to go seek help. Um, If you're not faith-based or religious, that is, you know, totally okay. You'll find um, your own relationship with God in your own time. But what I say is if you have anything that you feel that might be unhealthy, that you're having a hard time getting past to go get help. Because I believe that's extremely important. The one thing that sets me apart from my parents' story um is I do have a really happy, healthy marriage. I worked really hard on it. Um and that takes two people. And then I would also say is that I actively, you know, participate in my faith. I I have a God of, you know, I have God in my life. Um and finding a relationship with God is extremely important. And then another thing I was going to say is that if, you know, having a program related to what support you need for your mental, emotional, physical, or even um, addiction-based issues are extremely important. Um, you know, we can't, we're not designed as human beings to do this life alone on huh, right. our own community. And that's a lot yeah. of the reason why the church was built. Um, I've noticed in society, things have really backslid in the way of church. However, um, church is wherever one or more, uh, two or more are gathered and we get to decide what that looks like. So we can, we can decide what that looks like and participate in that on a daily basis between us and God, as well as Mm -hmm. with other people.
0: So I have a couple questions about your own journey. I mean, you grew up in a fairly highly functioning household, not a lot of trauma except for the trauma of your parents fighting, which that is that can be very very traumatic um
1: Though there was other there was other trauma but other I think trauma. that's a different story for a different day so uh, as you
0: continue to grow up and then can you take us along your journey with um because you said that you're you were an alcoholic and that you have been sober for two years can you just share a little bit about that
1: yeah. So I truly firmly believe that once alcoholic, always alcoholic, you're not just healed from it. It's something that you have to work on every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, some people think differently about that it depends on what you do. But what I know is that, um, I, I work, a, I actively work a program, um, outside of outside of the church that helps me with resources that is a spiritual program I can't say what the program is because of anonymity but um it's a 12-step program that's very common um and so I do that regularly I've been in that program for two and a half years I mentor other women that are dealing with things like uh, addiction issues I've been known to help um other married couples as well at least get them in the right direction of trying to help them their spouses um and so I think for me that's really important that's another form of community for me so my forms of community are my church and my church group do I go consistently absolutely not I don't I have a lot of medical and health issues that prevent me from being consistent with church but I do know that I can also go online so I have that opportunity um I I reach out and talk to other people that know what I've been through. I seek counseling. I'm currently working on some of the trauma and relationship-based issues I've dealt with over the years. I've also dealt with grief. So I think it's really important for people to understand that the number one reason why people have issues with addiction or why addiction is so prevalent is trauma, their childhood, um, yandor, um, you know, dismissive behavior. So for me personally, and I'm working through this and I've worked through this for many years is, um, all throughout my childhood, um, any kind of negative feeling, thought, behavior, or anything voice that was negative or made my mother uncomfortable was simply not allowed. And so when you tell your children that they cannot, or people in general, that they're not allowed to feel a certain kind of way, cause it makes you uncomfortable. That is a selfish thing to do. And especially for your children. So what I found is a lot of that was happening. Plus I had the predisposition because of obviously my family, it ever runs on both sides it was very strong on my dad's side. And, um, unfortunately, um, the whole piece that we're talking about with the narcissism the problem with that kind of abuse is it really does lead um the people that are around you deeper into addiction and so i'm not blaming the situation but it, i will say from my counselor's words that it was a perfect storm to have an addiction issue or other mental health issues no, absolutely so yeah uh without so many words is that um I've, my existence has been shown to me time and time again, um, by my mother that it's not as important as hers. Yeah, And the truth that I have to battle against sometimes is, am I an emotional burden? Okay. Even struggling with that as of last week. And so what I could tell you is that everybody tells me, well, you give so much more than you take. What are you talking about? You know? And what I, I come to realize is I'm breaking chains in so many ways, so many ways. So, you know, because of this situation, I do have a younger sibling, a brother, he's actively using, um, he, you know, drinks and smokes pot, which is fine. That's his decision. Um, is, is it good for him? No. Is do I see things going the same direction as a mixture of both my mom and dad and him? Absolutely. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Absolutely. Um, So that's what makes it kind of hard is to sit there and watch that active role of trauma, addiction, triangulation, triangulations where a parent will pit a sibling or another parent against Against the child. Yeah, exactly. And so These are things that I was actively dealing with um, in my family up until just recently. And I just decided to cut it off because I could not. I didn't have the capacity to handle it anymore. It's keeping me sick. So, um, part of my health issues is adrenal fatigue and a thyroid condition. The adrenal fatigue is from long term trauma, abuse, and situations that get you into fight or flight. For me, it was watching my parents fight was my mom you know flying off the handle quite frequently yes she did also drink but nothing compared to my dad um the drinking's been on again off again for her um some people straight out say no she's got a problem and i kind of think I don't know I think that her main problem is the narcissism but it's also very common to have that trait and also abuse alcohol so a lot of that I
0: mean that's a that makes for some very interesting family dynamics um yeah watching both parents drink whether whether they're alcoholics or not you know I mean the definition of an alcoholic is is it, I believe I mean there's different variations of an alcoholic so even if you just binge drink on binge drink on the weekends That you could be considered an alcoholic, right? There's absolutely variations of it. So, I mean, in theory, I could be an alcoholic. I quit drinking in August, but, uh, but I would drink on the weekends or you know socially or whatever. And so, there's different variations of alcoholism. But, you know, as parents, we don't realize what we do, how much it affects our children, either. And I think a lot of parents, especially, you know, um our parents, I think that, you know, they only know what they know and they don't necessarily, or they didn't have the resources that we have currently. So they, and they didn't, I think it was frowned upon to like get help or seek help. And so they never admitted things either. And then that creates like a whole nother issue of problems. And then they don't realize how they lived their lives, whether they were selfish or narcissistic or alcoholics all of the things how much it affects us and then we have to unpack all of that damage right absolutely I mean there's so much just in your story alone there's there's a lot to unpack I mean you didn't feel worthy right or not uh what what was the word you used you it wasn't well I mean
1: My emotions were I was constantly devalued. Like my emotions, how I felt was uh not a value to
0: you were a burden.
1: A burden, burden. yeah.
0: And so to grow up feeling that way, I mean, that alone would have a lot of trauma and and damage, you know. And then how so how do you unpack that? Like what is the biggest thing because you're not a burden, right? You really are not a burden and your story matters and your testimony matters and um, and the you're an amazing person, and you do so much to give to the community. So it's, um, you know, it's like we are Christians, so then you have spiritual warfare, too. And how do you not let the enemy continue to work on you? What steps are you taking to exit out of that lie that has been spoken over you?
1: Oh, so many things. <laughs> uh, journaling and meditation. Um, I posted it uh, last week when I was having those lies up on me, like on my shoulders in my mind, you know, in my heart, I was like, why do I feel so, so heavy? And so I opened up my Bible and I started pulling out, you know, different, different things. And, um, you know, I ended up in, um, first Kings, um, with the story of Solomon, the first few chapters about how the different wives that he had, that God asked him to not have in his life, you know, different relationships that we have in our lives that God doesn't want us to have that we have anyway, which is very common with alcoholism, addiction, different things, or just numbing out or wanting to do opposite of whatever. So for me, it was, I feel like you're constantly I'm constantly replacing the words, the things that were stuck in my head and the actions that I remember being done. And even till up until Thanksgiving, the things that were said and done and things that had happened over the course of this past year and how painful they were and when I, and all the lies and all the deceit and everything. And I look at that I would go back to the word when they were talking about Solomon and about how different people would lead him astray from God. And it just reminds me a lot of the challenges that I had because I I believe, and I talk about this a lot, I believe I was chasing two rabbits. I lived two separate lives. And yes, I have apologized to my family about that, about having two separate lives when I was actively, you know, in my life from 18 to 31, 32 years old, of use of, of alcoholism. Um, because for me, my first drink was my first, my first like actual party was like, I was just wrecked. So, what I know is that, sorry to, I need to wrap this up. Um, what I know is that if I continually replace, or look at that negative behavior, that negative messaging that's being told to me and I journal it and write it down and I bring that to my counselor or people I'm close with that are doing this battle with me that understand me that I'm close with, I can essentially check myself before I wreck myself. And I think that's why in the faith-based, the Christianity, sector of things why people always say you know go to church have community have close people that you talk with um get in the word regularly is because sometimes that's those are the only places you can find strength because my mind fools me because with things like addiction and mental health issues what people don't understand is it's a broken mind it's a broken thinker our our mind, the way we think our perception is broken. Mm -hmm. So I believe the same to be for people that go through a lot of childhood trauma, you know, that go through things behind closed doors that they just don't always talk about, whether it be, you know, for me, abusive relationships in my young, in my late teens, early twenties, um, you know, sexually assaulted at 12, parents didn't do anything about it. At that time, my dad was they were we were camping, my dad was drunk, my mom, I think, had been drinking a little bit too. Yeah, it's just a long story. I have a lot of stuff. But what I do know is that you can have two children in the same household and they will think that there's completely different realities because we don't get the same parents yeah. because our parents grow with us or growing up with us. So we have to look at it as all their childhood traumas being put on top of yours. Right. So if you have a mother that had a mom that would stay at home or, you know, be a, a homemaker and was solely, um, Solely responsible for the care of the children, where the father was working full time out of the home and wasn't participating in much of anything else outside of that. And all of his needs had to be met before everybody else's. That's going to create an issue. And when there's favoritism of the youngest, which was my mom, you're going to have issues with that because her emotions were in her family. Were designed to be more important than everybody else's so what did she do in my childhood her emotions were more important than everybody else's right. her opinion her feelings her thoughts which isn't true everybody's important and that's not see that's the thing is um when you believe in god and have faith in god it encourages you to change everything that you don't like about yourself he renews our
0: mind which is beautiful
1: yeah but for people that don't want to do that, that don't want to change, their ego is too big for that. And then that becomes a bashing of the heads. So you can imagine when I started to become a believer while fighting alcoholism on and off throughout the years, because it's a progressive disease, it's not like I was a sloppy mess the entire time I ever partake, had partaken in alcohol. But what I know is that uh, what I know is that you can't make people see that don't want to see.
0: Right. Well, I, I know we have to wrap up and I'm very thankful that you, um, are sharing with us. And, um, do you have any, anything that you would like to say in your self-forgiveness journey of any tips that would help our
1: listeners? Um, I think I've kind of said a lot of it, you know, if you are, Feeling some kind of way, even if it's in the past and you need help, I encourage you to go get help and counseling for whatever it is that you may need. Um, if you are unhappy with your church or you're not getting fed spiritually, and ask yourself, what am I doing to feed myself spiritually? And where, where can I go differently? Because sometimes you're not meant to stay at a church. Sometimes it's a reason, season, or a lifetime. Not all churches are designed to be at all the time. And sometimes some of them are not all faith based. So I would also be looking at that and know that when you go to church, that is a spiritual hospital for broken and hurting people. And so keep that in mind and, and try not to take things personally when you're going through that journey. Um, and then I guess the other thing I would say is if you do have an issue with addiction or you have a loved one that has an issue with addiction, um, that there are resources out there, both faith based um, one through certain churches. And there's also ones that are still spiritually based, but are not church necessarily church based. So if you have issues with those things, you know, reach out to your doctor, reach out to someone that, you know, works a program of sobriety and you can get help. Um, and I don't think it's ever too late, um, to, to do that. So that's what some of what I would say, um, I will say this, there's a lot of pastors out there that really don't understand and know or know or understand all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's other pastors that deeply understand. And then there's other ones that are just so focused on expanding their, their kingdom within their career, within their platform of their church that they just quite frankly, don't have the bandwidth to deal with it. So um, I would say, start with your medical professionals um, and look through the direct directory, maybe at your church and see if there is any programs directly at your church for addiction. If there is not, um, and you know somebody that that is actively sober or or you know is con- connected in that kind of community, definitely don't hesitate to reach out to those people as well. No. A lot of those people have a heart to help. Others. a lot of
0: churches in reno have celebrate recovery i think it's down in sacramento too but the, it that's is. a really good program yes um, I've, I've had a lot of people that i'm friends with that have gone through it's been really fabulous so i yeah. highly recommend celebrate recovery um well thank you nicole i really appreciate your time you are with glam for events you're a makeup artist and hair stylist in um the sacramento area uh roseville right yeah, Roseville, Rockland. So thank you for your time. I've, um, I really, really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for letting me come on. Hopefully this will help somebody, you know, that needs, needs to know that they're going to be okay. You know, that, that they're not alone in this situation. I mean, really, honestly, when it comes to addiction, narcissism and mental health issues, so many people struggle with that, all of those, or maybe one of those. And so, um, you know, I just encourage you to, to be anybody that is listening to be brave and, and to really consider getting help, even if it's not you directly that has been through it, but if like that is struggling, but even if you've experienced it with others, like loved ones or somebody you're close with or spouse or a sibling or a friend, um, it's definitely worth it to reach out to someone and talk about it. Definitely. I agree.
0: I mean, then there's, I I totally agree. So I appreciate your time, Nicole. Thank you.
1: Yep, absolutely. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank Thank you, you, Crystal.